0: Happy Monday, friends. How are you doing? I hope that you are like in full on summer mode and you are sleeping in and taking trips and drinking extra coffee and just enjoying whatever it is that makes you happy. I always loved the first couple weeks of July because I felt like I was sort of fully disconnected from the school year and could actually relax. But that also only seemed to last about a week because I was just always so eager to jump back into the school year. I felt like I always had a hard time just stepping away from work. And even now, I mean, I just I love being involved in education and I love what I do. But even when I was in the classroom, you know, during my summers, while they were relaxing and slower, I also felt like I was, you know, working on my scope and sequence or coming up with a new decor plan or figuring out a new seating chart. You know, just school was always on the brain. So I'm going to kind of assume that if you are still listening to this podcast episode in real time, you might also be one of those teachers that is just starting to think a little bit about school, even though you have some weeks left in summer vacation, which if that is what makes you happy, I fully support that and am here for that. Now, if you have taken a couple months off or a couple weeks off of listening to the podcast, I wanted to make sure that you knew that during the month of July, we are doing a little mini series all about small group instruction. And this is our second episode in that small group series. And last week, I talked all about how to create a plan that is going to keep the rest of your class engaged so that you can actually find the time to pull small groups and not have to worry about managing everybody else. So if you have not already listened to that episode, go back and check out episode number 89. But this week, I'm going to be answering the second most popular question that I have gotten when it comes to small group instruction. And that is, how do I support students who struggle with reading during my small groups? And I got this question quite a bit. And as I was sort of broke down the question or was chatting with teachers about this, This question was really asked from two different perspectives or kind of two different angles. And I am going to do my best to answer them as fully and completely as I can, but also keeping this episode to less than 30 minutes. So know that I am going to give you kind of some starting places to think about when it comes to how to support our students who struggle with reading and utilizing our small group lessons to support them. But this episode is going to be by no means sort of like all-encompassing because there's just a lot to say about it. But like I said, I'm going to do my best to answer this question in the 30 minutes that I have. So when it comes to how do we support students who struggle with reading during our small groups, kind of the first group is I had a bunch of teachers ask this question, and they asked it from the perspective of, I have students who struggle with reading. They don't know how to read. And I don't know how to teach word recognition skills. Teachers in upper elementary usually aren't trained or provided support in terms of how to provide effective beginning reader instruction or intervention. You know, it is kind of assumed that once students enter third grade, they should already know how to read. And the bulk of upper elementary teacher instruction is spent Supporting fluency or comprehension, you know, teaching the standards and teachers don't always have the support or experience or resources to actually teach students word recognition and phonics skills. So when we're talking about how do we support students who struggle with reading, there's the question of how do I actually teach phonics or word recognition to my students? The second way this question was asked was in terms of balance. And, you know, teachers would say, I have students who are struggling with grade level content, you know, and how do I make sure that they are getting the support to master the standards and get practice on the material that they're going to be tested on while also backing up and providing support with the skills that they need, you know, the word recognition or the intervention that's actually going to help them grow as readers. So. It's sort of this, I have this obligation to teach them the standards, and I've got students who need help in that area, but they also need, you know, support in phonics patterns and word recognition skills and even maybe even comprehension concepts that were taught in previous grades. So it was kind of asked more from a scheduling and balance of time perspective. A lot of teachers, you know, expressed concern over this idea of sacrificing small group instruction to work on word recognition or below grade level content because their students are tested on grade-level standards, and I get it. I was a teacher who, you know, had to be responsible for the standards and the test, and I also worked as an assistant principal with that pressure from the district and the state. So just, again, I've said this before, but being an upper-elementary reading teacher is so challenging, but you guys can do it, I I promise. I am going to share some mindset shifts, some tips, and some strategies that are going to answer both of these questions. So that's kind of, I don't know, my analysis of this question and learning a little bit more about the teachers who asked it and specifically what type of help do they need. So we're going to kind of approach this question of how do we support students who struggle with reading from two different angles. So the first thing, though, that we need to keep in mind before we talk about supporting students who struggle with reading in small group is we need to go back and remind ourselves of what do we know about how students learn to read. And if you listened to my podcast series all about the science of reading, then you remember that skilled reading happens when our students have a strong word recognition foundation and a strong language comprehension foundation. And without a strong foundation and without comprehensive and fluent skills in both of those areas, students have very little hope of successfully comprehending a text. And I think this is kind of an important mindset shift to make, especially if you're worried about the end of your test and if you're worried about your grade level standards. You know, if you have a student who is still struggling with word recognition skills and can't accurately read a text, it does not matter how much support you give them with the grade level content because your students aren't going to benefit from your small group instruction. Because we are asking them to do something. We are asking them to read and understand something that they do not have the tools to fully do. It's like giving someone a pile of wood, a set of construction plans, and a hammer and asking them to build a playhouse, but you have not given them the nails. You know, no matter how much time they spend studying the plans or, you know, putting the wood together or trying to stack things, no matter how much time they spend with those materials, unless they have all of the tools, and in this case, unless they have the nails, they are not going to be successful. So it does not matter if they spend an hour, a week, a month they are missing a necessary tool in order to complete the construction project. And the same is really true with our students. You know, if we want our students to be skilled readers, we need to take the time, we need to meet them where they are at, and we need to figure out how we can give them the tools that they need in order to successfully apply word recognition and language comprehension skills to a text in order to fully comprehend and understand. And I don't want to sort of ignore or discredit language comprehension because that is such a huge part of it. Mostly in this episode, I'm going to talk about word recognition because I feel like when we have students in upper elementary, that is a lot of times the source of their gaps. But just know that it is going to be different for every student. And in some cases, you might have students who've got great word recognition skills, but they still struggle with comprehension. That's where we need to kind of assess and figure out what do they know about language comprehension to try to fill in the gaps. But just know that we have to know what our students need in order to give them the tools that will help them become skilled readers. I do have, though, now we're going to get into the tip portion of it. So this is the practical application part. So I do have three tips for you. If you are an upper elementary teacher and you have never taught word recognition skills or you're not sure how to teach a phonics lesson, I have three things that you can do to get started. Remember, this is simply a starting point. So the first thing that you want to do is you want to get a baseline of what your students already know when it comes to word recognition. Most of the time when we're looking at word recognition, we're going to see materials and resources that are for students in kindergarten, first grade, and second grade. And, you know, that's fine. But when we're in upper elementary, we have to realize that our students already have had three years, hopefully, of some word recognition skills. And so they are going to have some knowledge. They're going to have some understanding of it. And, you know, we don't want to basically repeat something that is a strength of theirs. And so we need to figure out when it comes to word recognition, where are the gaps? Is it with letter sound correspondence? Is it with short vowel sounds? Is it with are controlled vowels? Is it with vowel teams? What is it that is holding them up? Is it just applying these things and multisyllabic words? And really they need, you know, more support with prefixes, base words and suffixes. We have to figure it out. So in order to do that, you want to do some sort of assessment that is going to give you kind of a baseline of what your students know and where they have gaps. So there's a couple different things that you could do. A lot of times, and I did this when I was in the classroom, and I think it is great at the beginning of the year to listen to all of your students read. Some text, it doesn't necessarily need to be like a reading comprehension assessment. But when you listen to a student read, you're going to kind of be tuned into, are they a fluent and accurate reader? Or are they still trying to break apart words and sound them out? Are they, you know, missing words? Do they have some gaps? And so even if you listen to a student read, that's going to kind of let you know, okay, the student might have some gaps when it comes to the actual word recognition and automaticity of that. But listening to a student read a passage is not going to give you enough knowledge or information on where their gaps are. So, what you're probably going to need to find and seek out is either a phonics or even a spelling inventory. And when you do an inventory, sometimes the inventories can be done either individually or whole group. It is a progression of, you know, phonics skills and spelling patterns. That you're going to give to your students and you're going to figure out, you know, what do they know and what don't they know? And when you go through an inventory, you're going to quickly identify the gaps. And then where the gaps are is where you're going to kind of start providing your instruction. In some cases, you might even want to consider giving your students a phonemic awareness screener or doing like a phonemic awareness inventory. If you've got students that are kind of really lacking with their phonics skills. So basically, You want to find some sort of phonics inventory you can give your students to help you know exactly what do they know and where are the gaps. So step number one, get a baseline. And then once you've identified what your students know and what they need support in, then you need to find a scope and sequence to follow. So that way you know the order of phonics skills that you're going to teach your students. And there are a ton of different scope and sequences out there, and they're all very similar and they're all slightly different. There isn't necessarily one specific order that is correct. There's obviously some general concepts you want to teach, individual letters before you teach, blends and digraphs. You want to start with short vowels before you move into long vowels. There's even kind of an order of the long vowel patterns that you want to teach your students but sometimes they slightly vary within them. So it doesn't necessarily matter which one, but you want to find a scope and sequence that you can follow because that's going to sort of guide your instruction. And then when you find a scope and sequence, you're going to provide explicit and systematic phonics instruction to your students to help develop their word recognition skills. And maybe you're thinking, okay, this is where I get lost. I've got no idea what this is, but trust me, you can do this. Okay. So first of all, you provide explicit instruction all the time. You explicitly teach vocabulary. You explicitly teach text structure and genre and elements of fiction. You know, explicit instruction simply means you are introducing something. You are teaching it. You are modeling it. You are being very clear on what it is. So you can provide explicit instruction and then systematic instruction simply means that you are following a structure. You know, this is why you're using the scope and sequence so that way you know the order of phonics skills that you are teaching your students. And so, you know, you're not going to start by teaching a complex vowel pattern if the students are missing the short vowel sounds on the scope and sequence first. So systematic simply means that you are teaching things in an order that makes sense and builds upon what the students know. Like I said, you can do this. You can provide explicit and systematic phonics instruction because you provide explicit and systematic instruction for other parts of your reading block. And so then let me just give you kind of a brief overview of what that looks like, because I know for upper elementary teachers, this is maybe new and foreign. So if you are teaching a new phonics concept or a spelling pattern, you know, maybe you're teaching the long vowel spelling pattern, OA, you know, makes the long O sound. And so you're going to introduce it Maybe you would have an anchor chart that has several words that have OA in it so students can see a picture of that sound and then the words, and then the OA maybe is going to be underlined or highlighted so they see that combination in words. You're going to model it. You're going to you know read words that have that OA spelling combination in it, and you're going to practice it with your students. And when we're teaching phonics concepts to our students, these word recognition skills, We want them to be able to read words that have that spelling pattern, and we want them to write words that have that spelling pattern. So different things that you could possibly do is you could have them read words. You could have them spell words that have the spelling pattern you're focusing on. They could identify, sort, manipulate words with that pattern. They could build words with that pattern. But then we also want them to be able to read sentences that have the words with, in this case, like the OA spelling pattern in it. And then also we want them to be able to read it in paragraphs. And so all of these different activities are things that you could do within a small group if you are wanting to provide instruction on a spelling pattern or a phonics concept that your students need in order to develop their word recognition skills. And so you're going to practice it. You're going to practice it some more. And then, of course, you want to eventually give students the opportunity to read it in actual context, which is going to lead me to my third point and my third suggestion for teachers who are needing to support students in upper elementary is find and use decodable texts for your small group lessons. Now, if you are not familiar with a decodable text, a decodable text is a text in which 70 to 80% of the words are decodable. You know, this means that if it's decodable, a student should be able to read the words accurately, fluently, and with confidence. So the majority of the words should be words that are written with spelling patterns that have already been taught or that students already feel confident in. And decodable texts are usually written to follow a specific scope and sequence. And so you might, if you have a specific scope and sequence you're following, you might be able to find a decodable text that goes with it. But the idea is that in a decodable text, you know, they are great for students who are beginning readers and learning how to read because we are slowly building the complexity of the text as we add to their word recognition tool bank, basically. So as you teach these phonics concepts and spelling patterns, students are going to have an opportunity to practice reading texts with those same spelling patterns in the text. So hopefully that makes sense. But the idea is, is that when you're using a decodable text, students should feel confident because they are reading a text that has words that they're like, oh, I know the short vowel spelling pattern. I know you know, the long vowel spelling pattern for OA and OE and I know our controlled vowels or, you know, whatever is included, the students should already have been explicitly taught and have had practice with those phonics concepts. So hopefully that makes sense. Here's the, the tricky part. And I am working on, it's probably going to take a while yet, but this is one of the things that we want to add to the membership this next year is to slowly add in decodable texts that are appropriate for upper elementary because a lot of times decodable texts are written with K-2 students in mind. So they maybe have bigger font. They are on topics that are not of interest to upper elementary. And they just look like they're for lower grades, which I think is really difficult. So I'm just going to acknowledge that this is a challenge. It can be difficult to find decodable texts that are appropriate for upper elementary. But they exist. A really good series is the Toucan series from Haggerty, And I will link to that in the show notes. They've got a couple different series, but they the books don't look like lower elementary texts. They look like they are written for, you know, older students. And so that can be even just a great place to start. But there are just, you know, there's a ton of different decodable texts out there. But just, you know, do a little bit of research and make sure that they're going to follow if you're looking for a scope and sequence that they kind of follow the the scope and sequence that you are using. So, okay. These are literally just three things that you can start doing. You don't have to, you don't have to be perfect at them. You don't need to be an expert in these. But if you are wanting to sort of, you know, double down on figuring out the best way to support students with word recognition skills, these are the three things that you can do. So get a baseline of what they know. Try to find a phonics or spelling inventory to kind of, you know, show you exactly what your students need. Provide explicit and systematic instruction on word recognition skills and then try to find decodable text to use during your small group lessons. That is kind of answer number one. Now I'm quickly going to try to answer the second part of this question. And this is for those of you who are worried about how do you balance your time and, you know, feel like if you've got students who aren't getting enough practice with your grade level standards, you know, or maybe you have an admin that requires you to implement a specific program, or if you are at a school that is really heavy on testing and paying attention to on grade level data, I get it. There's pressure. You might feel this like expectation. I need to use my small group time to support students with their grade level content. Now, let me just remind you that unless our students have the tools, it does not matter how much time they spend on grade level content if they are missing either word recognition skills or language comprehension skills that are going to help them access and understand that text. But (laughs) if you are just trying to figure out ways that you can you know, use grade level and on-level content and incorporate the standards and whatever stuff students are going to be tested on. While still addressing and supporting students with what they need, there are three things that you can do. So the first thing that you can do is incorporate some sort of intervention activity, you know, whether that is a word recognition activity, some sort of phonemic awareness phonics, as a warm-up for every single one of your small group lessons. So even if your student's are still reading and comprehending and writing and you're providing the support. So even if you're using texts that are on level, quote unquote, you can still provide these intervention type activities as a warm up. So maybe you start 30 seconds of your small group for some phonemic awareness practice and routines. Maybe you're going to spend 2 minutes at the start of your small group and you're going to work on a specific phonics skill, you know, that your students are practicing or maybe you're going to identify you know, several words, multi words within the text. And before you start reading, you're going to break apart those words by the types of syllables. And you're going to practice helping students break apart those words, identify the syllables, and read those words before they see them in the text. Or maybe you're going to do a little bit of vocabulary building practice, and you're going to take a minute and you're going to break apart words into prefixes and suffixes, or you're going to create a word tree for meaning. Whatever it is, you're just going to commit, you know, two minutes at the start of your small group lesson to focus specifically on what your students need support in, so some sort of word recognition activity. And I think the thing to keep in mind is you can do word recognition activities really with any text. You can find examples of any spelling pattern, of, you know, any vocabulary concept you're working on. You can use any text to support students. Obviously, if you've got students who really struggle with word recognition, decodable texts are going to be best, but those don't have to be the only text that you use or if you don't even have access to those. So I think the important thing is knowing what phonics skills and concepts your students need and then providing support and practice when you can to your students. And like I said, carve out two minutes at the start of your small group to kind of provide some intervention activities. So that's one thing you could do. The second thing you could do is you could just commit to changing the focus of every other group. So maybe for one meeting, you are discussing a text that is, you know, you're using your grade level passage or, you know, whatever material you're expected to use, and it supports the grade level standards. And then maybe the next meeting, you're doing like more of a phonics heavy lesson where you're working on word work and you're doing maybe some word sorts or word studies, or you're breaking apart words into syllables or you're focusing on vocabulary. So you're kind of doing flip-flopping. So you're still using your small group time to hit those grade-level standards, but you're also using your small group time to give students support with what they actually need. I kind of think of this method as the changing the focus of every other group as you're giving your admin what they want by saying, yep, I'm using my small group time to hit my standards and to provide support with the standards. But you're also giving your students what they need because you're using half of your small group time to give students the intervention with the word study skills or the word recognition skills that they need. And then the third thing that you can do, and honestly, this is something that you can do kind of regardless, but provide scaffolding and support during your small group lessons. You know, so what that means is just really knowing if you are giving students a text that is beyond their ability to read. They don't have the word recognition skills to read it. How can you provide them scaffolding and support so they can still understand it or engage with the text in a meaningful sort of way? So one of the things that you could do is provide oral reading support. If a student struggles with word recognition, maybe you read the text whole group. You know, maybe you have students partner read it. Maybe you just read it to your students and they're just working on their listening comprehension skills. But this way they can still practice applying their grade level standards through a listening comprehension lens. So if you're working on sequencing or cause and effect or even identifying text structure, your students are still able to understand those concepts, but they're not getting hung up on the word recognition side of things. The other things that you can do is you can provide students with things like response frames or sentence stems. Or graphic organizers or anything that's just going to help them, you know, organize their thinking around a text. This obviously isn't going to necessarily support them with word recognition skills, but it is going to help them understand any text you put in front of them, especially if you're doing that either with partners or in whole group. And then I think the third thing to keep in mind is it's really important to provide corrective feedback and utilizing teachable moments in small groups. So if you have a student that you're either listening to them read or you're talking about a word and they misread it, rather than just saying oh this is how you say that word you can explain okay you know we see the the vowels we see these letter combinations we know that this is a blend or a digraph or a diphthong whatever it is and explaining to students in that moment why the letters and the sounds work together in that specific word to try to teach them something that's going to add to their word recognition tool bank rather than just saying this is how you say that word hopefully that is helpful so again you can use Intervention at the start of every small group to support students if they're struggling with reading. You can change the focus so you can have a, you know, if you think about it, a grade level standards focus and then the intervention focus for every other group and then providing scaffolding to support students through your small group lessons. So hopefully that is helpful. And then, like I said, hopefully if you're an upper elementary teacher and you've kind of been wondering how to support students who struggle with reading, I hope this episode has given you a few ideas to get started this year. But finally, let me just encourage you with one little snippet when it comes to supporting students who struggle with reading. And that is this idea that imperfect action is better than no action at all. And I think, you know, providing intervention and teaching phonics can feel really uncomfortable for upper elementary teachers, because like I said at the beginning of this episode, we are often not given either tools, materials, or support or training in how to do that. And so in some cases, it's like, well, I don't know how to do that, so I'm going to avoid it. But in the past, you know, if you have felt lost or confused as how to best support students who struggle with reading, that is okay. This year, you can still take action, even if it is imperfect, because imperfect action is better than no action at all. And so I would encourage you to take one or maybe two of the suggestions that I offered in this episode and just try them you know, you don't need to be perfect or an expert in order to get started. And think about it. If you get started this year and you try to learn or, you know, implement some strategies or focus just on learning a few little things about how to best provide intervention or word recognition instruction to your students, even if it's not perfect, if you start trying to do some of these things this year, next year, it is going to be so much easier for you to support students who struggle With reading because you got started this year. So you've got this. I totally believe in you. And of course, I am always here to cheer you on. So even if your actions this year are imperfect, that is going to be better than taking no action at all. So we're just going to leave on that little nugget right there. But I do hope that you will tune in next week because it is going to be our final episode in our small group series. And I'm going to be answering a few other questions that have been asked specifically about small groups. So I hope I will see you back here next Monday and I hope you have a stellar week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.